you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. Before we begin, I want to give a big thank you to my team, the team that makes this show happen every week. Thank you, Grace and Co. for graphics, Pepper Chambers, the hot one for writing, Angelo Greco and Anna Mesa for social media, Tiffany Hale for everything, Erica Eklund for Patreon support and production by the folks at Large Media. That's L-A-R-J Media. So it is really good to be here with you. And so you are the CEO of Blueprint Capital Advisors. For people who do not know what you do as a career, can you explain to us what that means? So Blueprint Capital Advisors is an asset manager or money manager or investment manager. So we take money, capital, um, assets from others, mostly institutions, so endowments, foundations, um, pension funds, and we help get them a return on their capital, or we advise them on how to make investments that will help them, help them reach their investment goals. And for me, serving in the legislature in Ohio, our pension funds would come before us quite often and so I am somewhat familiar with your line of work because of my line of work and how important having certain investments for pension funds so the pension funds stay healthy, stay solvent. Is that the word you would use in your... Well-funded, well, well funded, 
um, as you know, people work for 20 years, 30 years, and expect to retire in dignity and to have some resources to continue their lifestyle. And so having healthy pensions is important for the entire country. That's uh, right. If there's no money there to pay people after they've worked for 20 or 30 years, we have a real, real problem from an economic standpoint. Yes, we do, because 70%, I think the last article I read, but you are in this world, but the last thing I read said that, or read that 70% of our economy is consumer driven. So we need people to be yes. doing well. We, we need to keep the engine going. We need people to do well and to have liquid, to have disposable income. People need to get those checks every month. Every month and retirees included. They are a yes. part of that. Exactly. So for your company, it's very rare to have the opportunity to talk to a CEO of a company like yours that you advise, that you look over, make investments, uh, create the environment necessary for, for those types of funds to thrive. There are not many African-Americans, I would imagine, in your industry. If that is true, why is that? There are fewer African-Americans than I'd like to admit. The investment universe um, has about 69 or $70 trillion of assets and uh, somewhere around 1% or slightly less than 1% are managed by women and minority combined? Uh, asset combined? managers combined. combined. That 1% combined? 1%. So 99% is managed by um, firms owned by white men, which I think gets to the heart of your question. When people who look like you and people who look like me ask to manage people's money, um, we're met typically with a very different response. And so I guess that's a long way of getting to the point of the answer, which is the business is one where um, discrimination um, exists. Um, on the basis of color, on the basis of, you know, sex. Uh, and so the industry has a long way to go um, to fixing that and repairing that. Obviously, you know, 99 to 1 seems slightly unfair, SNT. Uh, good day. So we've got a lot of progress to make to promote women in the business and to promote, um, you know, people of color in the business. Um, when we are put into um, uh, these firms or when we're hired into these firms, very often we're put into roles that don't allow us to build the skill set or the track record to go out one day and start your own firm. You know, typically the people who have the capital to go out and start these kinds of firms are people who um, come from means or, you know, they, they sort of, I like to say, started on third base. Um, their family has the money to support them in building a business, or they come from an environment where multiple people can support them starting their own business. And so the investment industry is one of those industries that you have to have a strong financial or capital base to even be able to play ball, if, they, if, if we can use that phrase. And so I don't know, listen, listening to you describe this industry to us makes me think about the words structural racism, st structural sexism, because you, 1%, I mean, 
Jake, I'm really trying to wrap my mind around the combined grouping of women, people of color, in that one one percent. I mean, do I have that right? Because this is hard for me. Yeah, to... you have it right. So and you say structural, we say yeah. systemic. Okay. Um, we say embedded. There are multiple yeah. ways to put it, but at the end of the day, whether it's structural, embedded, or systemic. It's still racism. That's right. So, and it leads us to where you are right now. Your company, Blueprint, you developed an innovative investment tool to save public pension funds millions of dollars. And you presented this tool, this opportunity, as you were bidding on work in the great state of New Jersey. Now, with bids... You know, so you know me being a public servant and, and understanding how bidding goes. People bid, you pick the best, and money is also wrapped up into that. The best, and then also there's a caveat of who's the most cost effective too in that best category. But something particular happened to you and your company during this bidding process, where it was revealed. And I don't know how long of a time, so I want you to talk to us about what exactly did happen. But you determined, you, your partners, your company determined that discrimination was at play as to why you did not ultimately get that contract. And there's an end to it. It appears that your innovative idea was borrowed. Yes. Was stolen, you know, but... You're so kind to uh, the co-defendants in this case. So we developed an innovative program called FAIR. And New Jersey is a pension system that has complete discretion on who they want to do business with. And they don't run the normal bid process. They can actually say, SNT, I'd like to do business with you and negotiate with you individually. And so in the case of Blueprint situation, there was no bid process where uh, assets, other metrics that are important to making a decision, length of track record, fees were considered to be part of the process. And we spent many, many months and we transferred a lot of proprietary confidential information to them. And the commitment that they made was that they would give us a significant pool of capital to manage. And we provided all of our information. And to your point, they borrowed it and gave it to someone else. We would say they stole it and gave it to someone else. And they did that without asking our permission that's why I use the word stole. Yeah, and I, that I being, we are yeah. we are suing them for fraud because they took our information. We think with the intent at some stage to share it with others uh, for their own gain and the gain of others. And we've decided that after years of trying to work out a solution to what occurred, the only way we were going to truly get justice was to file a lawsuit. And the others they shared that information with, that company got the contract. 
that company got the contract, that company got the revenues, that company got industry recognition for delivering to the industry an innovative idea. And where I come from, that's shameless. You don't take someone else's idea, you don't borrow someone else's idea and then give yourself credit or allow yourself to be given credit for that idea. You should always, you know, in journalism, I'm sure you know this, respect the work of others and their creative talents and give them proper accolades where um, it's due. And so that made it sting even more that they would take our idea, shamelessly promote and take advantage of the media attention around it. And then they didn't even change the name on it. They took the name that we called our program and used that name. The exact name. The exact name. Wow. Which was fair. So in academia, because hearing you tell the story made me think about academia. I mean, I was a student and also a professor, but I would I would stress to my students, you must give attribution. There is no such thing as borrowing in academia without giving without giving without making your source attribution known. If you do that, we call that plagiarism. And plagiarism is certainly grounds for being dismissed from an institution of higher learning. And so you're saying in the financial sector, in your industry, the state of New Jersey gave your innovative idea called FAIR, meant to save public pension funds money to your competitor and allowed that competitor to steal your idea, not change the name, use that idea, get accolades for that idea, and not only get praises for that idea, they got the contract, so they got the money for that idea. Did I sum that up? Look, I I will borrow the, the scenario that you painted. So in academia, this would be plagiarism. This would be cheating. And typically, those who are involved in it would be punished or get dismissed, yeah. expelled. We have a governor in the state of New Jersey who is very aware of what has occurred. Neither he nor his staff have ever said to us that what you're accusing us of, Jacob, didn't happen. However, we're still waiting for people to be dismissed. We're still waiting for the firms that were involved in this injustice to be dismissed. We don't think that's going to happen. And we're not willing to wait for it to potentially happen. And so in business, you have two ways that you can settle disputes. I guess you really have three ways. Mm -hmm. One, you can get into a conference room and you can talk about things. And it can be mediated and you can work out your differences and come up with a solution that both sides are happy with called a win-win. Or two, you can litigate it, where now you go in front of a judge and it's certainly more adversarial and more public. And it is a way of getting things resolved, win, lose, or draw. The process is supposed to work fairly. And then the third way is just to completely forget about it and say, I'm going to take the loss and I'm going to move on. 
that third option was never one that we were willing to consider. I grew up in a small town of 6,000 people. Neither of my parents graduated from high school. I am the first known relative in my family to attend a four-year college and graduate. It would have been a dishonor to my family and all my forebears, some of which did not come to this country voluntarily, yeah. to walk away from what I had created on the back of their hard work, on the intelligence and creativity that they passed down to me, all the hard work that they went through to put me in a position to be able to start my own business and to get this idea um, and monetize it. And so option number three wasn't available to us. We tried option number one, which was to get into a room. We gave them 80 documents and we said, okay, if you have documents that you wanna share with us that tell us that what we think occurred didn't, we'd be happy to receive them. They gave us nothing. So we then said, you're a public entity, and Senator, you know this, you're subject to freedom of information laws. That's right. Or Open Records Acts. Yes. And so we said, we'll just, since you won't give it to us, we'll request it formally. They have blocked four different FOIL or OPA requests from us getting the information. So from our point of view, going into it, we thought we were right. After we made those requests, both informally and formally, and we received nothing, it gave us even more confidence that we were right. But what we were again dealing with was racism. You yeah. opened your mouth, you never should have, and now we're going to punish you for asserting your rights. And, and that's where we are now. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success 
with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. In your fi- how, how long has this been going on? Well over two years. Two years. So you're taking the time, the talent, the treasure of your company that you built. On one side, you got to keep the company going. So you're working to get new clients on one end. And then on the other end, you're using an extraordinary amount of your company's talent, time, and treasure to fight for what is just right and good in this particular case. And it is important to note that you are not fighting a private company. You know, it's not your company bumping up directly with another private company. It's indirectly against this private company. But the state of New Jersey allowed on the on the light side, facilitated at worst the environment for something like this to happen and has heretofore has not responded to your charges, so to speak, of wrongdoing by the state of New Jersey. And the state of New Jersey, I think the last time I checked, is ran by Democrats. I think the governor of that great state is a Democrat. I bring that up as the political animal in me, that you would have a Democratic governor from a party that relies so heavily on black Democrats in particular to go out to vote, to lift them and to ensure that they win. And we have a Democrat. It would be bad if any governor was doing that. Let me just be clear. I just thought I need to point that out, that there is a Democratic governor in New Jersey that has yet to answer what you've laid down. They have not responded. And not only have they not responded, they have blocked your request for information. Because basically what you're saying, prove us wrong. This is what we suspect has happened. Here is our evidence. Now the ball is in your court, Governor. Tell us whether we're right or wrong and prove it with documentation. And they have yet to respond. You are 100% correct. It is a Democratic state. Governor Phil Murphy won 95% of the black vote. And I just came off of a conference call, a Zoom call, with pastors. Um, About 75 pastors signed a letter requesting that Governor Murphy, at a minimum, be responsive. He has not been responsive. And so they held a call to actually let him know how they really felt about his lack of responsiveness. But getting back to your point about being a democratic state, We have a Democratic governor, we have a Democratic Senate, we have a Democratic Assembly. All the mayors of all the major cities are Democratic. 
12 out of 14 congressional seats are Democratic. Both federal senators are Democratic. This is about as blue as blue can get from that perspective, SNT. One would think that the only black asset manager in the state of New Jersey would at least get a response, a formal response out of this administration. So let's push me aside and say, well, you're just a black owned asset manager. We don't need to be responsive to you. Senator Ron Rice, who I believe is the longest standing African-American senator in the state of New Jersey and chairman of the Black Legislative Caucus, formally requested that the governor's office respond. They have not responded. Pastor David Jefferson, who is my pastor and presides over Metropolitan Baptist Church, one of the largest churches in Newark with 6,000 members, reached out to the governor's office and said, this deserves some level of investigation and response. These allegations are serious. No response. Moving away from politics, John Bon Jovi, the rock star, reached out to Senator Murphy on this issue. No response. And so, as you could imagine, there are a whole lot of people who have become familiar with Blueprint situation that are frustrated by the lack of response. But I think that lack of response says something not about our case, it says something about his administration. We need to take a pause before the next election in the state of New Jersey and really think about whether we should double down on a governor that has been in office for 30 months. And during that term, the income disparities between blacks and whites has gotten wider. The wealth disparities have gotten wider. Home ownership disparities have gotten wider. Unemployment has gotten wider. High school graduation has gotten wider. I can keep going and keep going and keep going. But the sad thing here is what people don't really recognize is they think that New Jersey's in the Northeast and therefore it must be liberal like New York and like Connecticut and like you know, Maryland and, and parts of Pennsylvania. That is simply not the case. The economic disparity that we see here in New Jersey looks like the economic disparity that we see in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana, deep South, deep red states where discrimination is known to exist. The difference here, SNT, is that discrimination in New Jersey is just covert. It's not overt. Mm -hmm. And whether it's overt or covert, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, Racism right. exists here the way it does in those deep southern states. I mean, Mr. Wildfire, you took the words right out of my mouth. Just listening to you, I was thinking the South. I mean, this sounds like the South. New Jersey has one of the worst racial wealth gaps in the nation. The medium, the median, excuse me, the median net worth for a white family is more than $309,000 
while it is just $7,020 for a Latino family and $5,900 for a black family. It would take a black family 228 years and a Latino family 84 years to achieve the wealth that an average white family had in 2018. This is not because of lack of capacity, rather lack of opportunity, my God. And I remember reading that study about the 228 years and I know some economists you know, don't necessarily agree with the 228 years. Whether you agree with that point or not, or whether you agree with that number or not, the larger point is that the racial wealth gap in this country continues to grow and New Jersey is one example of that. And this is happening while Democrats control every single major offices in, in, in that state. So the governorship and both houses of the legislature. And as you said, Governor Murphy enjoyed 95% of the black vote. And this is how your minister gets treated. This is how the black caucus gets treated. No answer. And then, my God, you even went and got Bon Jovi. And still no damn response to the black community in New Jersey. Wake up. And they should pay attention to this. But even larger than that, the black community all over this country, because what is happening to you and your company can happen to anybody else and their company. Marginalized communities being treated with such disrespect and disregard. And you navigate, you own a company in an industry where black folks in particular, people of color and women and white women, in general, like all of us lumped into one, only represent 1% of that industry nationally. And this is what this Democrat governor, Governor Murphy, does. To me, it's hubris. It's a lack of disrespect and disregard because what Democrats know is that they got the black community. Period. Well, let, me, let me say that, I mean, you know, Dr. King, uh, there was a book called I remember the name correctly, um, to the promised land. And that book was focused on his legacy that he was beginning to build around economic justice. Yes. Dr. King in the 60s recognized that the chapter on social justice still needed to be developed but he was starting to turn the page and write the chapter around economic justice when he was assassinated. And I think that in this country, 400 years later, we continue to have to fight for social justice. We have to turn the page, not close the chapter, and start writing about economic justice but I think economic justice is going to be harder than social justice because now you're not just asking for somebody to be treated humanely. I'm not talking well, SNT. I'm talking to be treated humanely. You're talking about sharing wealth with a group of people who you didn't even want to treat humanely. Come on. 
Come on. You know what happens when the word reparations comes up? Oh, yes. Yeah, like we stole something when we asked for reparations. How do you close that? How do you close that gap without making some contribution? Right. To the existing disparity. Like you said, it would take 228 years. Well, the only way to cut that down is to make a deposit. And let me just say that that deposit is not being given. That deposit has been earned. That's right. When you think about the contributions that black people have made to this country in building this country, when you think about periods where we didn't get paid and then periods when we were paid but were paid less, when you think about the fact that black people couldn't even file patents and generate wealth off of ideas that they generated, yes. when you think about what happened in Tulsa, Black Wall Street. Tell me we don't need something in the way of, of a contribution to make up for all of that, which was built on our backs and taken from us at different points in the 400-year history of Blacks being on the soil. Come on. But that conversation, as you know, gets shut down pretty fast. Now, interestingly enough, COVID-19 occurs, and the government miraculously finds trillions of dollars to put into the hands of businesses. And you know the whole concept of printing money, right? Yeah. The government can come up with money pretty much just by printing more of it. Right. The feds. Not, not, I not can't all. print money for black people. The government is putting up hundreds of millions, billions of dollars into research and development to try to fix it. I haven't heard about a major study being funded by the federal government to deal with the fact that our kids are not having clean drinking water in inner cities. So I guess what I'm saying is we're often selective about how we want to address black people. Sure, and right yeah. now, everybody wants to pay lip service to black lives matter. Right, they don't want to do the real work. They want to put up a slogan and a sign and paint words down the street which I'm not trying to be flip. I, I do believe that symbols do matter, but we got to go beyond the symbolic. I would give up having Black Lives Matter painted down the middle of the street if we can get some real capital going in our community, some real generational wealth going into our community. You can keep the, the sign, the, the, the sign down the street, the words down the street. Let's make some real things happen. So we really do need, as a country, as a people, I believe we need real truth and reconciliation in this country because to understand a thing, you know, Stephen Covey once said, seek first to understand and then to be understood. We got to all acknowledge, we got to get on the same pew or read from the same hymnal that we have a problem in this country that is systemic, that is deliberate. I mean, the things that you just laid out didn't happen by accident. They happened on purpose, that people in power designed the system to operate, to function this way. And so since discrimination and bigotry and racism is wrapped into these systems on purpose, we can undo them on purpose. So I was thinking, we need to move from civil rights to silver rights. Hello, somebody. Silver rights, money. And you're absolutely right. It is going to be harder to do that than it is to let us sit anywhere on the bus. Harder to do that. And when Reverend well, Dr. Martin... Or sharing a bus versus sharing your wallet. Talk about it. And when Dr. King started to focus on those issues, 
you know, the Vietnam War, when he started to focus on economics and what was happening to not only black poor people in this country, but white poor people, indigenous poor people, just poor people across the spectrum and that poor people's movement, that's when they started to talk about, that's when he went too far for the establishment, for the status quo, right? You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So let me ask you this. Where, I mean, where does the case stand right now? And how will this case in particular change things for the black community in your industry in the future? In other words, you are fueled to do this, not just because of your bottom line, it's all everything that you laid out about your ancestors, your forebearers, everything you work for to be in this moment is why that you will not just allow this to happen without putting up a fight. So where's the case now? Where does it stand? And how will your fight on this particular battlefield benefit the black community? And then lastly, how do people get involved? How can folks help you and find out more about this fight? So where's the case now? The case has been filed in federal court. In terms of how this impacts the black community, Again, to repeat what you said, this is bigger than Blueprint. Black people, whether you look at studies done by the Brookings Institution or the Kellogg Foundation, are more giving than any other ethnicity. Even though we make less, we give 25% more. And so when you rob a black business of its wallet, you are robbing the black community of its wallet. When we earn money, we make profits. We recycle those profits back into our communities. Those profits go to churches, they go to nonprofits that are underfunded, they fund school programs, they do things in the black community or pick up where government leaves off and helps fill in the gap from an economic perspective. Here at Blueprint, we recycle a portion of our profits back into the community every single year. 
Yeah. I don't think there's a black business in Newark and maybe even a, a, a white business our size that gives as much as we've given to the Newark community where we reside. The second thing that I will say we do is we take kids from Newark public schools. We've had 50 kids in the last five years that have come through Blueprint um, as interns. We train them. We give them an orientation into the financial services industry. We clean up their social media sites. We help them develop their resumes and they go off to work for big firms. But they got their first experience here. And one of the reasons why it's important for us to do that is because most of those internships, at least when I was growing up and to a large extent now, are reserved for people who have relationships. Yes. And also, there are a lot of kids who are here in Newark who can't afford to get on a train every day and go into Manhattan and pay $25 a day for lunch. And so we give them an opportunity to cut through all of that and to learn everything they need to learn to position themselves for a career um, in finance. The other thing we do is we advocate. So I have been very vocal about the concept of there being two New Jerseys, right? One rich and one poor. We, you, you quoted some of the disparities. Yeah. And, you know, after I gave a speech in front of the, the Senate Committee on Economic Justice in January, the governor announced two weeks later that he was forming a task force to look at the economic disparities in the state of New Jersey. I like to think that we had some impact there. We have been very vocal about discrimination in the division of investment. I'm proud to say that three weeks ago, after being in office for 30 months, the governor hired another black asset manager. 30 months, he hired one black asset manager. But again, a victory. You're messing with me right now. No, I'm not. We, we, we went to BlackRock and we said, we're going to file a lawsuit against you. On June 22nd, 2020, their chief executive officer, Larry Fink, announces that BlackRock is going to hire over the next four years 30% more blacks. Shut up. That it hasn't done what it needed to do and it was going to um, be his mission to grow the black population that works at BlackRock from 5% to 6.5%. He's just not realizing that, huh? Just now realizing it. But again, it came out on the day we were going to file our lawsuit. We ended up filing the next day. So, so, you know, that advocacy is bringing about change. And so, you know, whether it's the nonprofits that we support, the kids who get their first work experience in finance, or, you know, the change that we're able to lobby for as we make our voice more well-known, um, you know, here in the industry, as well as here in Newark, uh, I think is having a broader impact on the African-American community. In terms of what people can do, pick up the phone and call us. Um, you know, we have these Zoom calls. We'd like to get a lot of people on it. People can write the governor um, and tell him that you can't treat black people this way. That's sort of our slogan yeah. um, for this whole, whole campaign. Uh, contact your pastor, tell your pastor to get involved. Uh, if you are allocating your money to asset managers, think about using black asset managers. So there are a number of things that, that people can do 
to be supportive of, of Blueprint as we go through this. But I'm hopeful that every other state looks at this case and they say, wow, this is what a black firm really goes through when nobody is looking. Come on. And we need to make sure that it gets fixed. And so this doesn't happen to another blueprint, you know, anytime in the near future. That's right. Thank you so much for your courage and for taking this on. It's a lot when you take on a system. You take it on an entire system. It would have been easy just to say, let this go. You would have had a little more peace. Maybe on the side of your conscious convicting you, you wouldn't have had peace. But in terms of the energy that it takes to take on something of this magnitude, you didn't have to do. Well, you did have to do it. I listened to you very, uh, very clearly. The, you're, you wouldn't have been able to rest unless you did this. You just couldn't sit back and let this happen. But everybody does not have what it takes to fight a system, not because they don't want to, but it takes so much out of you to fight. And that's what the system wants. And when I say system, people run this system. Sometimes we say the word system and it seems like some far off place or some, some something, a, a robot or something, something that is not tangible. No, these systems are tangible and these systems are created by people. And as I said earlier in our conversation together that systems were created and systems can be reformed, systems can be revolutionized, systems can be changed. And so I just want to thank you so much and your team, everybody that's around you, your pastor, the Black Caucus in New Jersey, people who believe in you and what you're doing for taking up this charge with you. And I want to encourage others who listen to our conversation to take that up too. Is there a website that folks can go to to find out more information about this lawsuit and how to get so more involved? Our, our website is blueprintllc.com. And if you go on there, you can contact us. Uh, there's an email there. And there's also um, articles. You can read a copy of the complaint uh, that was filed on, on June 23rd. So it's blueprint, all one word, LLC.com. Mr. Jacob Rothauer, thank you so very much for sharing your incredible story with us. And I sincerely hope that people get involved and they support you in your efforts and that we need some co-conspirators in this. We need some allies and co-conspirators. This burden that you just laid down is not one that should be only carried by the African-American community. As the great Ella Baker once said, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. This is one assignment on the freedom journey and we yes. cannot rest. And so we must join you in your fight for what is just, for what is right, and for what is good, not just for your company, but for future companies. And to, to make the path clearer for other people yes. of color. Absolutely. And women. In the words of, of John Lewis, it's time for us to get in some good trouble. Good trouble, baby. I specialize in that. Yes, I specialize in good trouble. Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. 
then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.